the Steve Dangle Podcast with your hosts, Steve Dangle, Adam Wilde, and Jesse Blake. Let's go! Ah, that's a cool shirt, Steve. I thought so. Really cool. Why don't you show everybody uh, on camera? If you're no. listening to this, I want you to imagine that Steve is literally Brian Cranston from Malcolm in the Middle. No! Why? I don't know. I thought yeah, why do you pick something that, different. Show, show, show him the short sleeves, Steve. Yeah. Ah, the like short, short sleeve dress, dress shirt guy? I No, I've never been, and I thought I'd try something new, and mm. you guys are reinforcing mm. that no, never do that. Mm. It looks like, and I assume this is true, you could handle a baby and a beer at the same time. Oh! <laughs> yeah, well, hey, oh, hey, in my house, you step away from the grill. That's my grill. <laughs> <laughs> where these, uh, I can't, where I can't are these wait. thick socks up to my ankles? Or oh, well past my ankles, thank you very much. Yeah. Where's your wait. apron that says Q Master? Oh, um, it's it's right next to uh, I hung it up next to the hose. And by the way, I, I cannot wait to just water the lawn after the show. Hands in my pocket. Just, you know, thinking about, you know, how lucky I am to, to have such such great kid. You know, why don't you get a sprinkler, dad? Why don't you mind your own goddamn business? <laughs> no. Yes. What? A sprinkler does not understand that certain parts of the grass need more attention. Mm. Right. Maybe there's spots because of the dog. Does the sprinkler know what parts of the lawn are shaded or unshaded? I'm never wearing this shirt again. Thanks, boys. That's good. What That's if good. I was, what if there, I undid there, there looks like there's little dots on it there, Jesse. There are. And right? I swear, I, I swear I've seen people with that exact same shirt, only they're like, instead of little dots, they're little guitars. Um, yeah. <laughs> or just little or, anything, really. Or like little cars. Or sailboats. Sailboats. Oh, yeah. Yes. Sailboats is a big one. Why does everything have <laughs> lobsters? I don't know. Yeah. I don't get that one either. When did that? And also, why is my, as long as we're talking about random shit, why is my For You page on TikTok just people killing crabs? They've got to stop know. that. The Have you noticed that knows, too? What the, the algorithm knows what you like. So apparently you enjoy those videos. It's the crusty the Crab uh, sound thing. And Money. I'm like, man. Money. Yeah. <laughs> um, also, Steve, if that's, if you want to have a good shirt on, you should be able to button your collar down. That's the sign of a good shirt. And, and you, you, my friend. What, what, what does that mean? Button your but collar? You should be able to button the, the collars down. That's oh. how you, so it stands up on it. So, but you should be able Here to wait. do that at very least. <laughs> now he looks like Tony Montana. What about from, that? But from Oshawa. Hey. 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 <laughs> Durham region's Tony Montana. That's Tony Altona. <laughs> oh, Steve, so do you remember gross. when you sent me the scene from The Sopranos where the kid tells Santa Claus to fuck off? Yes. What was? And then everybody in the room reacted the exact same way. <laughs> <laughs> that was the most Italian thing ever. I, I'm shy. It's a curse. <laughs> well, uh, there we have it. Steve I like shirt, shirt, everyone. Hey, by I the like way, uh, as we do this podcast, Yoel Armia is on a PJ. Flying down to Tampa to set up for game one of the Stanley Cup finals. And, you know, listen, I know he had to go into COVID protocol to get it, but I don't think there's a, a more badass day in that guy's life than taking a private jet from Montreal to Tampa to get, go play the Stanley Cup finals. That's pretty cool. So he, he's just in protocol. Like yeah. So, positive. so like literally, it's, it's a, uh, it was probably just a test that was, you know, inconclusive or something like that. And because especially with uh, Dominic Ducharme's positive test, they have to be super, super careful. 
but he's not ruled out for tonight. No, he's, he's a game, game time, time decision. decision. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Very interesting. Very if I'm ranking Stanley Cup Finals arrivals, number one, I'm putting uh, Marcheseau in a Lambo in Vegas. Mm. Number two, Armia on the PJ. That's true. Although, wait, wait. We still haven't seen how um, Armia gets from Tampa's airport to the actual arena. Until we see that, we can't. I mean, maybe they rented him a Lambo as well, right? Tank. Maybe, maybe they rented the him a Ferrari. Maybe the Florida Panthers have a deal on Ubers and they get him one from the airport to the arena. Yeah, use the promo code Gallant. Fifty <laughs> percent off. Fifty percent oh, off your Uber rides in Florida. <laughs> you know, <laughs> they're just down the road. They can, I like that. Yeah, <laughs> I like that. I like that. That's clever. That's clever. Uh, That's so, clever. Uh, lots to talk about today. There will be some Blackhawks news, uh, obviously coming up, which is now fast and furious. You know, where that story sort of had a slow burn. We're like, hey, where is everybody? And everybody showed up. And that's been nice. Um, but uh, we'll, we'll talk more a little bit about what's happening there. Obviously, the kind of the major story tonight is Stanley Cup Finals. And this is your chance to make a big, bold prediction that won't matter tomorrow, but people will hold you to anyway. And that's what's so fun. Mm -hmm. So I think we're going to have to make big, bold predictions. And I would like to know what your honest assessment of this, of this is, because I'm finding this Stanley Cup final of any of the Stanley Cup finals in recent memory. This is harder than it should be to talk about in terms of what we think is going to happen. Would you not agree? Well, because you can't, you're basing your opinion on the Montreal Canadiens this year on such a small sample of games compared to most teams, right? Like, it, Vegas in 2018 were at least winning games all year, mm -hmm. right? But Montreal were going, okay, from game five of the first round onward, they have been elite. Prior to that, completely mediocre. Like literally bottom half of the league. Not even good. And what they turned a switch and figured it out. So you know, like uh, betting odds for them. Like they're always going to be the underdog. Um, and every opponent I'm like, well, surely they can't do it against this one. And then Vegas shows up and look awful. <laughs> and now they got Tampa and every instinct in my body is like, well, surely Tampa, but who wants to make that bet now? Who wants to just be like, ah, oh, yeah, Montreal's toast. I'm, I will say I'm glad it's Tampa because God, they're just Tampa in the playoffs is so fun. Mm -hmm. They're just so fun to watch. Like just what a bunch of Tasmanian devils. No one, no one plays faster. No one plays more intense. Um, we really should put more respect on the Islanders names because the past two Tampa versus yeah. Islanders series have been gifts to hockey. They have like just, just two Seven games overtime. Like, come on. doesn't get Any, much better than that. The, Mm, mm. watching that series it just all series long and, th and this is the this is the mind of a leaf fan right now all series long especially game seven i was just like any professional hockey player not watching this game right now i want i want traded i, I want traded out of this team I, I get out of here if if you're not watching and appreciating and and letting it sink in with your eyes how hard it is to make it to the Stanley Cup final. I don't I don't think you belong here and I don't think you want it, so get out. 
It's they're so intense. Listen, if you're already off in some far off land, having margaritas on the beach, can you at least have someone bring an iPad down to the beach and watch game seven of the Tampa Bay lightning versus uh, New York Islanders? It was great. And it was, you know, it was one of those series that when you get to overtime and you're watching in that last period, you think I'm going to be sad to see this end. Like, you know, what has to end. And you're like, I'm sad to see this go. Cause that, that, I think, you know, usually at the end of any sort of playoff, you can, you can pinpoint one round. There was a couple where, like, in the early 2010s, where, like, Philly and Pittsburgh would play and be like, that was the round of the playoffs. Doesn't necessarily mean that was the Stanley Cup, because I still, I would have thought it was Colorado-Vegas. Everybody would have thought it was. But the best series so far has been that series. Islanders-Tampa, without question. Yeah, there are some series that you just remember. Mm-hmm. And what you're talking about, I think, is Philly-Pittsburgh 2012. Yes. War. Just war. war. Yeah, just war. Um, extremely good. Uh, I mean, Pittsburgh's been in the middle of so many. They had a great one against the Rangers. Just, yeah, really, really entertaining. I was a little sad uh, to see that series end. Now, one thing that I've said for a, a, a few years, though, Tampa and Montreal always seem to play each other, and it's a carnival when they mm-hmm. do. Uh, one team goes up big erases it the next game it's the complete opposite high scoring doesn't matter who's in net so i'm curious to see if this one's a gong show because we haven't we've been robbed of like a real gong show there there was the eight nothing win but that's not that's not a back and forth that's a massacre i want to see i want to see a five four game here you know what i mean mm-hmm. six mm-hmm. five um if i were to say I, 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 there's a particular team that this Montreal Canadiens team reminds me of. And I want to know what you guys think, because the 2012 Los Angeles Kings went into the Stanley Cup Finals um, being kind of what we thought was an underdog. Now, I mean, if you look at the numbers now, I'm looking at the uh, regular season. They still had 95 points going into the playoffs, but they finished 13th in the NHL. They were third in their own division, which I think is super interesting. You look at back then, the can you name the number one team in the um what it was at the at the time the Pacific Division? Uh, it must have been the Canucks. In the Pacific Division, the Canucks were not in it. <laughs> oh. Pacific so this Division. Is, this is the Pacific Division 2012. So you have Phoenix, San Jose, L.A., Dallas, Anaheim. Oh, okay. What was oh? They were like north northwest or something. No, they changed the name of the division. So the division was literally called, yeah, the Canucks were called the Northwest Division. The Pacific Division was Phoenix, San Jose, LA, Dallas, and Anaheim. Who was number one? San Jose? Close. Jesse? Phoenix. Phoenix. 97 points. That's right. (laughs) Crazy. Was that the year they went to the, (laughs) was that the year they went to the conference final? Yes, I'm pretty sure. And 2012, it, yeah. And it was L.A. that that got through. But L.A. was – a lot of people didn't take them seriously. I think they were seventh in the conference going into the playoffs. And then all of a sudden kind of turned it on. And I'm tr- I was trying to think of teams in recent memory that can really compare to what Montreal's done. And I, I there hasn't been a lot. Like recently, you've seen a lot of domination by teams that should dominate. Obviously, there are – Teams that finish first in the league that are out in the first first you know round, I get that. But what I'm saying is, like, we're talking seventh, eighth seeds. How many of them are going this deep? And how many of them are going this deep and being this dominant? And that LA Kings team, 
when when Jonathan Quick decided to turn it on, and I believe did they not make a trade right before the trade deadline as well that was pretty pretty consequential for them? Um, that team just became this world beating team, and even when they got back on the ice. The next year, they were a completely different team. They were not a seventh place team anymore. They were tops in the division for the next couple of years and won another Stanley Cup. With Montreal, I'm I'm wondering, you know, if we're looking at the next iteration of that. So I'm trying to look. February 23rd is when the Kings acquired Jeff Carter. That's what it was. Oh, my God. Like, okay, this team barely made the playoffs. This is, to me, is the big difference between that team and the Montreal Canadiens. Heading into the playoffs, the Montreal Canadiens never went on a run, really. It was just the beginning of the season, mm-hmm. and then they never really got it back. Here's the Kings after they got Jeff Carter that year where they finished eighth and had to play the President's Trophy winning Canucks. Win, loss, win, 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 loss, loss, win, 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 loss, loss, win, win, loss, win, loss, loss, win, win, win. Lost, win, win, win. Oh, wait, no, now I'm into the playoffs. So there were some signs, though, that they were going to win some stuff. Yes, and I, and I actually remember writing about it um, because from because the Canucks were this analytical darling for many years, and, mm-hmm. I mean, that term is loaded. They were good. Like, they were extremely good. They had the puck all the time. They gener- <clears throat> generated a ton of chances. They were extremely good. If I'm not mistaken, from the time of that trade onward, the Kings and Canucks were one and two in terms of possession. So this this was a team that was scraping to even make the playoffs. They got Jeff Carter. All of a sudden, they're a top three team in the league mm-hmm. based on the numbers. So that that was one of those, uh, you know, catch you off guard series that wasn't it wasn't really a one versus eight. Right. Sort of a little bit like Columbus versus Tampa in 2019. Columbus happened to finish with that bottom seed there, but they loaded the hell up. And if you give them a couple months to, you know, sort of play and get used to it, they started tough. But if you gave them a couple months, I I guarantee you they wouldn't have finished in that seed. Montreal, I can't think of anything like them. Dude, there were, there were, no signs they had this and people are going to point to, you know, they had some good possession numbers and, and everything. They couldn't finish. They couldn't finish and they didn't get this goaltending. Right. So something's different. Something changed at the beginning of game five. And even then they blew a three goal lead. I hate it. <laughs> I hate it. It feels like every well, time we got to come back to it, but it, it's such a special and unique story. So the question I have for both of you is what happens on the ice tonight? Uh, a couple what- of things with the comparison, comparing them to the LA Kings. We forget that the Kings faced New Jersey, who was also a six seed in that Stanley cup final. So it wasn't uh, LA going up against um, this great team, and then they beat them as the underdog. It was kind of two underdogs who winded up in that Stanley Cup final because I remember it was it was Brodeur on his last leg, and everybody kind of unexpectedly, they just kind of wound up in the finals. And then I think history proved that we shouldn't have looked at, at the Kings in that year as an underdog because two years later, they won the Stanley Cup again. And now we look back on those Kings teams as these great teams who won two out of the three years. And then as recently as 2017, the Nashville Predators, if you remember, were an eight seed 
when they went mm-hmm. to the Stanley Cup final. And they came out of nowhere on the back of really no offense and this incredible defense and goaltending. And that uh, brought them all the way to Stanley Cup final where they ultimately, ultimately lost. And then if you look back at like the last, I don't know, 10 years in seven instances where you have like a clear underdog in each finals, the underdog really ends up not doing too well. Like I look at probably um, Dallas Tampa, even last year, I would rate Dallas as the underdog because Tampa's 100%. the mm-hmm. 100% favorite. Dallas loses. St. Louis, Boston, that's the one instance where you kind of look at it and you're like, okay, these two teams are even. Uh, they're finished in the middle, tw- towards the middle of the, the conference finals, uh, conference standings in each of their conferences. And then St. Louis wins a tight series. But then you go Vegas, Washington. Vegas is an expansion team. Nobody literally expected them to be in that finals. They lose. Uh, Nashville, they lose to Pittsburgh. San Jose, they drop to Pittsburgh because their Pittsburgh's on that great run. Tampa, their first year where they reach the finals, where they're actually good, they lose to yeah. Chicago. Chicago coming off of a Stanley Cup uh, two years before that, and then before that, it's the Kings when they won it the second time. So I feel, I feel like like going into the series, Adam, you asked what happens in the on the ice tonight. Like I'm, I'm going to take Tampa in the series overall just because of how how I don't see there's a history of underdogs who make it all the way to the Stanley Cup finals. And, and they, well. they, they finally always drop to Goliath. It seems that that's what yeah. happens in hockey. So I'm definitely going to pick Tampa here. One, one quick thing, Jesse, what I remember mm-hmm. about the, the Pittsburgh San Jose final. Um, I don't know about Sportsnet, but I believe it was ESPN. Not a single person picked the Penguins to win. Really? Okay. Whoa. I remember, so it was, that one. it was unanimous. Yeah. It was unanimous across the board. The Sharks were going to finally do it. And then game one, Benino, 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 and mm-hmm. the Penguins rode that all the way to a Stanley Cup victory. It's funny how we remember that now, and we're like, how could anybody choose against Crosby in anything? I know. Yeah. I know. We were like, oh, yeah, no, he's <laughs> well, Crosby, Malkin, because, they're just... Because Burns, Thornton, Marlowe, yeah. uh, 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 what's his Reimer. name? Reimer. Ry- yeah, Reimer. Black. Who was the starting goaltender? Uh, Martin Jones, I think. Was he I not? It was, it was pre-shitty Martin Jones. Yeah, Martin Jones before <laughs> Martin Jones got Martin Jones' head. Um, and then there was like, I, I, I'm pretty sure too. Yeah, he was I mean, good. Was, he had a 918 that year. That, that team featured, I think, four or five Olympians, that San Jose team. Like, right. who was on defense for them? There was It was amazing. Burns, uh, Vlasic. Vlasic, uh, yes. That's who I was trying to come up with. Polak, Brendan Dillon. <laughs> Uh, Justin Braun. Um, well, that could be an Olympian, man. I, I think he might be on the Czech team. I think yeah. he was. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Was. But like Nick they were balling, not... you know, yeah. Ooh, he was there too. That's yeah. right. There were three That's Leafs right. on that team. Thank you for reminding me. <laughs> Nick um, Spalling. I always forget his name. Even Nick. Couture, uh, Pavelski. Like, yeah. Like prime good, of San Jose. Oh, yeah. Yeah. good team. You could see why maybe they would have thought, okay, well, there's a lot of team Canada team USA here on <laughs> San Jose. I'm, you know, not that it gets Crosby and Malcolm, but this is a pretty loaded team. Well, in Pittsburgh, like the Blues in 2019, weren't even in a playoff spot around Christmas. Remember, they fired their coach. That's yeah. Right. And we were like, Jim Rutherford's about to lose his job if he doesn't sort this out. Oh, Boy, yeah. He sort that out. Whoops. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, they were bad. They were bad. And that's why they fired him. That's yeah. why they fired their coach, right? So it's, but again, we keep talking about teams that were maybe not so good, but at some point gave us a reason to believe in them. They found and it. Is there, is it possible, Steve, that this winning streak would have been inevitably what would have happened for Montreal 
if we'd had an 82 game sketch? That is an extremely good question. I would argue uh, we would never see it. Um, we would never get to this point because a huge part of it is Cole Caulfield. Yeah. And his season uh, would still be gone. That's right. He, he wouldn't have been able to join the, um, I, I can't, uh, maybe, no, maybe he could have joined the team. It was always the final 10 games or something, wasn't it? Yeah. It was I always going to be the final 10 games. Isn't that usually what it is with college? Yeah, I don't I don't know the exact rules. I mean, and let's let's not forget, like, they did make the playoffs in their division. They were, you know, they made it because they deserved to. But, right. again, it wasn't, it was, like, halfway through the first round where they were like, surprise, and... <laughs> Like the, with the Kings, with the Penguins, with all these teams we're talking about, there was a eureka moment. And I just don't know if Montreal had that. They didn't have Brendan Gallagher. They didn't have Carey Price. It's what yeah, they're Carey doing Price is, is making amazing. AHL rehab starts a week before the playoffs. People yeah. forget that, you know? So it was Gallagher. It's I mean, unbelievable. He, uh, he played his first AHL game since like 2008 or something stupid. Like it was crazy. They're on their okay, fourth great, head Carey coach Price. in... I was like, great, Carey Price is injured. Yay. <laughs> Not well, that I wanted to be injured, but I was like, we don't want to face healthy Carey Price. Well, exactly. Exactly. And, then, and anyone who's, who is like, no, I want him 100%. Like, shut up. You're lying. Like, yeah. you're like, listen, you want him no, to be no healthy as a person, but you don't want to play against arguably the best goalie in the world. No, I don't think anyone wants to play against the best goal in the world ever on any night, right. ever. Um, so, okay, so let me ask you this, because, Jesse, you brought you, – you you say you're going with Tampa on this series. Yeah, and I had, and, I had three things on the ice that I wanted to get your guys' opinions on. Okay. So the first one is the matchup between Price and Vasilevsky, because I think we have the Vesna trophy winner and then the guy who's probably the best goalie in the world. Playoff right. Vesna. Playoff Vesna, yeah, playoff Vesna. The Conn Smythe winner, if Montreal wins it, versus the guy who's going to win the regular season Conn Smythe goalie trophy. Mm-hmm. So that's that's the big matchup there. And then we have uh, Deneau and Gallagher versus the Tampa forwards. Can Deneau another round shut down uh, selection of all-star forwards? And then the last one was uh, the PK versus the power play. So we have the people, it's gone underrated, but Tampa's power play right now is historically great. It's at 37%. uh, (laughs) This is from NBC Sports. (laughs) Going back over the past 20 seasons, no team that has played in at least 18 playoff games in a single postseason has ever had a power play that efficient. The only team to ever top the 30% mark was Boston in 1819 when they had a 32.4%. And they uh, went our way. So, and then Montreal's penalty kill is 97%. The last time they allowed a power play goal was versus the Leafs. Unstoppable so, force, immovable object. <laughs> uh, I think that's going to be so much fun. So, so those so are three things in the ice. Start with the goalies here. Start with the goalies. Yeah, the goalie, what do you guys re, think? Re, repeat the goalie thing again. We've got the playoff, or is it playoff Vesna and regular season Vesna, right? Yeah, exactly. What do you guys think? <sighs> Andre Vasilevsky's got that special sauce right now. Four straight shutouts in elimination games. Like, so I think of that makes me think of like Braden Holtby 2018 mm-hmm. sort of thing where like he didn't have to be the best in every single game, but when all the chips were down, he was he became God, mm-hmm. right? And like all Capitals fans seem to point to this one moment where they're like, oh, we're going to be fine. And it was an enormous save that he made. I think it was in Vegas. I want to say game two. 
huge paddle save. You know, we're going to be fine. Um, if as long as Vasilevsky stares down Carey Price and doesn't blink, um, the goaltending should be at least even in this series. And that's a problem for Montreal. I would agree with that. And on top of that, you know, I think there's a lot of people, you know, does this game count? Does the been here before game count? Meaning I've been here before I've played in this before. And as far as I know, Carey Price has never seen a Stanley cup finals game. Nope. As good as he's been in the playoffs, he's never seen one. And Andre Vasilevsky has seen a few. He's been here, been here before, been here before on the bench, I believe as well. He was, no, he was baptized in the cup final uh, because Bishop went down. Because, well, yeah, well, he's like, no, it's just a flesh wound. And he was like barely able to play. And I think Vasilevsky got some action in. Right. And I mean, this is a guy. So this guy's the third, third time he's been to the Stanley Cup finals. And that's not Carey Price's fault. It's just what's happened. But then you look at Carey Price, who's played for Team Canada in the Olympics. And I think that matters. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, there's a guy that's been there before. Uh, and, and so my, my question always is, who's got more of the been there before? And, and I think... When it comes down to it, I think, Steve, you make a really good point. If he doesn't blink, it's going to be a problem for the Canadians because objectively on paper, the Tampa Bay Lightning are a much better skating team than the Montreal Canadiens are. I think goaltending, you probably, based on Carey Price's performance this playoff, have to call it equal. I don't know that you can, I don't know that you can give one team an edge in that particular department, but I do think the Lightning get an edge in the way that they play because they can play grinding teams like the Islanders. The Islanders gave them plenty of trouble, but they solved the Islanders. And the Islanders are the best team in the league at what they do, which is grinding you down, which is how they continue to get better every year. They just grind and grind and grind. Now, the number two on that list, Jesse, was Mm -hmm. what? Uh, Gallagher and Deneau shutting down forwards, because that's been the consistent thing with Montreal in each of their three rounds, is they know how to limit the other team's offense. So can they do it again to Tampa? It's so much harder to picture against Tampa just because they're so deep. They're so unbelievably deep. Um, No injury so severe that it's keeping anyone out of the lineup. When I saw the Oh, is Kucherov injured stuff? I was like, you have got to be effing kidding me. <laughs> like, there is no way Montreal's going to get this again. There's no... Can you imagine... Can you imagine a road to the cup where you you barely, if at all, have to play against Tavares, Shifley, Chandler Stevenson, who I know maybe doesn't quite match those names, but he's the number one center of Vegas, and Nikita Kucherov get lost <laughs> get out of here but i mean they're 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 so deep they're so fast is another mm-hmm. thing you know oh i'll just skate with them yeah you're just gonna skate with Braden point okay steve i'm gonna jump off a point you made on the last show what i thought was really good i know it was great you're the, it's the greatest point it's too bad you're such a traitor to the toronto maple Leafs. but anyway yeah um i wow. think i think one of the points steve made on the last episode was hey vegas philip deno is one guy he doesn't play 60 minutes right what happened to the rest of you yeah. where are you max patch where are you mark stone where are you mitch marner where are you blake wheeler do you know what i'm saying yeah there was a lot of there was a lot of star talent that got the where the hell were you treatment these playoffs against the Montreal Canadiens and deservedly so. But like we've said, Phil Deneau does not play 60 minutes. Phil Deneau and Brendan Gallagher do not play 60 minutes combined. 
So, so to me, it's going to be very, very hard to shut down everybody all the time. So if I am, if I am the Montreal Canadiens, who's the guy that I need to neutralize? And it's Braden Point. It has to be Braden Point. Braden Point. All the time, every day. If I can neutralize Braden Point, Nikita Kucherov is still an MVP, but it makes him far less dangerous if Braden Point, who has scored, what, nine, had scored nine straight games, something like that? Yeah, it was nine, and then he didn't have one in game one. Uh, And if it's like the end of the Islanders series, then like Kucherov's injury might limit him himself, you know? Right. So this is the thing. Everyone thinks Montreal is going to target Kucherov because he's, you know, potentially injured and he's the soft target. No, that means you got to target the other guys because you know he's not playing at 100%. That doesn't mean, you know, you go after 70% of Kucherov and you try to knock him down to 25 or whatever. No. Okay. The, the, the softening's already done there. The pulverizing's already done. Thank you very much, New York Islanders. And now we turn our attentions to Stamkos or Point or Killorn or Yanni Gord. You like going headfirst into everything? Well, how about you go headfirst into this? You know, it's, also, it, Sorry, go, go keep going. Sorry. sorry. Oh, no, it's, uh, keep going. Just I'll list every Tampa forward. You I'm, know what I mean? I'm curious if Tampa doesn't uh, run the matchup of like the, the Blake Coleman line with um, Yanni Gord and uh, Barclay Goudreau against Suzuki um, Caulfield. And the reason for that is, I mean, those guys seem to be able to handle themselves, but they are still young. And that is still a pretty devastating mean line to play against. I have a feeling like if you ran Pat Maroon out there um, against, against Caulfield and Suzuki, you get eaten alive. And it's nothing against Pat Maroon, but I just, I think the skill level is different. I think if Pat catches you un- unaware, then yeah, you're in trouble. But I look at that line specifically, the Gord, Coleman, Goudreau line, and I think, man, if, if you're running that against young Montreal players, Blake Coleman can kick your ass so many different ways. He gets in your head. He also does stupid shit with the puck sometimes. As I say, I think we saw in game four, remember he flipped it out of the air and batted it over and somehow got that impossible angle. Was it Yanni Gord? Every team's got one guy. (laughs) Stupid. Why'd you do that? (laughs) Yeah. How did you do that? And I I remember when the Barclay Goudreau trade happened with San Jose, everybody was like, what? Why? Why did they pay that much for him? Well, when you see him in the system, and this is something that there's a few NFL teams that I think are the best examples of this are able to take players out of another team and pull them into their system and make them stars. And you look at what the, the, the New England Patriots were able to do for about 15 years with certain wide receivers that just came in and were nobodies. They pulled these guys, they didn't get drafted, or they drafted, they were released, and turned them into absolute studs next to Tom Brady because they played a limited role in the system. And what Tampa Bay does so well is they take those guys and they go, this is your role, and no matter what happens, you don't have to deviate from, their, from your role. And I think we saw that specifically in the Leafs series where guys who were supposed to play a role didn't play a role because they couldn't play the role and didn't feel confident playing the role, and they got off of their own game. Tampa Bay doesn't do that. And I think when you look at... The defensive uh, nature of, of, of Goudreau and, and uh, sorry, not Goudreau, of Deneau and of Gallagher, it's going to be tough for them to stop two lines, devastating lines, and then have their best guys be their best guys with a third line that Tampa has. So I'm, I'm going to say Tampa gets the edge there. This is, and, and like, it sounds like we're just doubting Montreal again. It's not about doubt against Montreal. The, these are just facts. They're about to play the deepest team they've played in these playoffs. 
They're about to play the fastest team they've played in these playoffs. They're about to play the biggest and meanest team that they've played in these playoffs. They're about to play the team with the best finishing power that they've played in these playoffs. And they're about to play the team with the best goaltending that they've played in these playoffs. If Montreal wins, they win. And it will have been well-earned because all those things I just said are true. I just want to hop in here with uh, some breaking news, guys. There's a couple bits of breaking news. So first off, Toronto Maple Leafs and Wayne Simmons are working towards an extension, according to Elliot Friedman. What's the other one? Uh, the other one from Chris Johnston, uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning are increasing capacity at Amelie Arena tonight to 16,300 And game one. Uh, it's being reported in Quebec media that by game three, Montreal should be able to have half capacity, so about 10,500, they're saying. Oh, wow. That's, a little over uh, half capacity. For Canada, that is a, that's a pretty substantial development. Yeah, it's huge. Anyway, uh, Jesse, the third one there, which was really interesting. I love I this. It- yeah, I thought this was going to this is going to be really cool cuz we're seeing a uh, historically great power play go up against a historically great penalty kill. How do you guys think that plays out? Because so much is made of how the game is won on special teams, and that's why we limit penalties in the playoffs so it's more fair and all that. So I want to see what you guys think of that and how it's going to play out. Steve? Um, yeah, I just I don't think series are won based on on special teams, especially not the Stanley Cup final. I mean, what I think you you can count on is we're going to see the least amount of penalties uh, called. So you got to add calls called because like there's going to be a substantial amount of penalties and they're just not going to call them. Oh, yes. Yeah. Calls. That's (laughs) that is the key here. Right. Um, I mean, you want you still want. You know, if you're Tampa, you want to try to get Montreal into as much penalty trouble as possible. Because even if you don't score, at least you're making them kill the penalty, mm-hmm. right? They they are going to be more tired than you by the end of it if you've done it right. Um, again, the the been there before is ah, it's such a factor. It's such a factor, and they've they've been up against such good teams, Tampa, too. Like, and maybe I'm discounting the North Division again, but remember. Like taking the Panthers. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> doesn't it doesn't it just feel like so long ago? Now I watch Tampa and I'm Huge. like, oh yeah. Like, why did I because again like again, I'm gonna bet on and like I'm gonna make all my predictions for next year's playoffs so differently because I'm I'm going to ignore my regular season brain. And I'm just gonna pay attention to the caveman with a big bat. Uh, you know, that team has more six foot four guys. They win. <laughs> you know, that's that's just how I'm gonna look at it. Well, what about this guy? What about that guy? What about that guy? Yeah, there's outliers. You know, there's there's Yanni Gords and Braden Points and and um and Cole Caulfields and everything. But you look at the also, overall. Yeah, there's also a bunch of meat mountains on knife shoes, and they're going to wreck your day. It's it, the this is not going to be a fun series for the forwards of either team. My answer to that question is going to probably surprise you, and it's going to be short. My, my question is, what's it harder to do in the NHL? Stop a goal or score one? Score. So it's going to come down to what breaks first, and I give Montreal the edge in that. I think the penalty, continue, the penalty kill continues to be dominant. I mean, listen, you, you can you, – yes, they didn't have to play Tavares. Yes, they didn't have to play Shifley. Yes, they didn't have to play Chandler Stevenson. But, but um, this is a team that's deserved everything it's got on the penalty kill. 
I mean, they, they, they played some as, as shitty as Toronto's power play is, and it is shitty. Um, they played some pretty talented people on that power play. So at any point that power play could have, in theory, it never will, but could have scored a goal. It'll never score a goal again, though. They're just, they're never ever, there'll never be another Toronto Maple Leafs power play goal. Mark my words. Um, hurts my heart. I think even if, what is it, Jesse, would you say Montreal 97%? They're 97%. Yeah. Okay. Even that falls at, if that fell to 92, like what, what does that leave you with? A goal? <laughs> right. Maybe two yeah. in the entire series? I think if we're just talking who's going to be better, the power play or the penalty kill, absolutely Montreal. Uh, is able to to stop the bleeding on that one. I'm not saying they stop every goal. I'm not saying they, they stop every opportunity. And Steve's right. Keep keep out of penalty trouble because it will kill you against Tampa. But it's harder to score a goal than it is to stop one. So I go with Montreal on that one. Yeah, you think the 37% is going to get knocked down a couple percentage points? I would say so. I would say so. And that's not because Tampa's not good. I just think Montreal is better than any of us could have ever thought. They really are four wins away from the Cup, eh? Yeah, <laughs> like that should be the title right there. That should be the title of this episode. They really are four wins away from the cup. A question mark. Like, like it's, it's such a good story. It's oh, such it's a good story. And you know, like it's, uh, I, I like paying attention to the, the flavor of, uh, fans moods and everything. And Montreal Canadians fans in these playoffs, it's been so different than, other fan bases have observed from the outside because my team sucks um, in years past. Like th- they're not being as arrogant about it as they could be. You know what I-, I mean? They beat the Leafs. They beat two Canadian teams en route to get here. Like that should be bragging rights forever. And you know, there are, they do have shirts, but it's not as bad as it would be if they expected any of this. Right. Right. It's, it's so uh, like, I'm watching like Jay Baruchel's videos and everyone's posting these reaction videos. um, And they're as stunned as the rest of us. And it's kind of great to watch. This is why you watch. This is what you watch sports for. I I know, I know we talked about like superstar teams and, you know, the first time I saw uh, the Cavs versus the Warriors was really cool. And then the second time was really cool also. By the third time, I went, all right, this is the rubber match, and then it's over. And then the fourth time, I was like, this is, that's enough. That's no, enough. no, don't, don't diminish that series, because that got interesting every year. It did. Because uh, there was the, the 3-1 comeback, and then after yep. the 3-1 comeback, they add Durant. And yes. then there's the compelling again. You know, because it was yeah. it was back to back Clay and Steph, and yep. then and then uh, and then the three one, and then you add Durant, and then Durant does it two times. So yeah. do not diminish that series. I'm not I'm not going to diminish it, but okay, like the Euro is going on right now, and yeah, you want to watch all the big teams, all the big stars, but every now and then, isn't it fun to watch Greece just beat everyone unexplicably? <laughs> or inexplicably like isn't this isn't that fun isn't it okay uh chelsea and liverpool and but every now and then lester yes mm-hmm. yeah it's fun to have a lester and like i'm you not need a jamie vardy though like a, a guy who's all world that comes out of nowhere and is dominant for like six or seven years afterwards too every now and then we need a jamie vardy like every now and then we need montreal's most valuable forward to have zero goals like just that this is one of the great things about sports. It is the, the, some of the greatest things 
I, I can enjoy greatness and I can enjoy the things that don't necessarily make any sense. And the things that don't make any sense are sometimes an even better story. So I think that, oh, go ahead. Go you ahead, mentioned the, ex, the, like, the expectations on Montreal and everyone like Jay Baruchel being so shocked and everything. Yeah. It's funny when you look at the other Canadian franchises and like Edmonton and Winnipeg are sitting at home right now being like, all right, we weren't that great. Like we lost and that's it. And then Toronto's in this crisis mode because the expectations were so high. And there's every yeah. other team in this division isn't really panicking. They're like, okay, we need a retool again because like we didn't expect to go to the cup finals. But Toronto, these expectations were looming over this team. And now we're sitting here all depressed. That you make such a great point about Edmonton because I know they finished second. And I want to say they had the same amount of wins as the Leafs. But, you know, fans were pissed about the sweep. But I get the impression most of the fan base didn't really believe in that team. They had two guys. Well, you can't, you can't do it every year. It's, no, it's, no, Adam's right. You know, you can't just do it every year. Ken Holland, me, genius. I know me. I was, I was getting ready for the Leafs to go at least three rounds, and uh, I just wanted one, one, one single win, one yeah. single round win. That's all. I would have been happy. Would have been happy. Uh, hey, and Winnipeg um, seems happy that they won a round. You know. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a team that's. I mean, man, they've got some question marks. We could talk more about Winnipeg in the off season, but. That's a team to me that's going nowhere but down, and I, I and I mean that I was I was pro Winnipeg all year, but I am not impressed with what's happening uh, supposedly behind the scenes there, and it's not anything other than like remember I I picked them as a wild card to make the playoffs. I said I was the only one on the show who picked the Jets, but I just don't know if they've got the the assets to turn around what needs to be turned around there for them to be a dominant team again. Adam, speaking of the Jets, um, do you have access to a PJ? A private jet? <laughs> yeah, do you have access to Not personally, to one? not yet, not yet. No? I'll work on that. I'll work on that. Well, um, so I'm just looking at Twitter. If, if you want to go to tonight's game, oh, wait, no, sorry. You don't. You would only need the PJ to go to Montreal. You could drive, right. but I, I mean, was just about to bring that tweet up, Steve. I'm glad oh, you, that, were? Uh, you were also looking at Twitter. No, no, please continue. <laughs> From Megan Shaka. Scrolling Twitter cast. Yes. <laughs> Best value for game three is $8,196.50 for Montreal. Holy shit. That's the best. That's that doesn't mean it's the cheapest ticket. It means it's the best priced ticket for where you get to sit in the arena. Yo, that's how much are you guys uh, paying for a Stanley Cup in Scotiabank for lease? If I have if I have the money? It, your current finances. Oh fuck, I wouldn't be able to afford it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, if that's the price, no. Nah, I'm uh I know I know I've said in the past what is what is the amount of money that would put me into financial peril? All right, I'll put 2 grand on top of that. Um that is uh I remember when I when I winced at 600 bucks for the Jays? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I bought it. This is more than 10 times that. Um, yeah. yeah, no, that's uh, that's tough. <laughs> I think I think what you want to do is become a season seat holder if you can ever somehow, and then you pay at least normal price for them. That's yeah, the only way. Not, yeah. That's the only way I'm ever going to see a Leafs Stanley Cup final game, and the Leafs would have to make it. <laughs> oh, that too. Isn't that like 30 Gs uh, for, for the, season seats? For season seats? Yeah, easily. Yeah. Easily. Now, everybody that owns the season seat license tells me that anyone that I know that owns a season seat or a license, but see, here's there's, there's difference, right? You can own the season seats mm-hmm. and then you can on top of that own the license, the license you actually own where you sit. 
the, or you license where you sit and you pay for that and it's an asset and people can actually go to banks and get a loan for that. It's $100,000. But if you want the, and then you get the season seats on top of that, which are about 30 grand. But if you sell the hot games, like the ones that are super good, like if Tampa comes to town or if Montreal comes to town, if you know Boston comes to town, you can actually sell enough of those tickets to at least pay for your other seats or uh, turn a small profit. So I was able to go back. to the uh, NBA Finals game five, it would have been, the game where Durant got injured because oh. I have a friend that I work with and their friend has season tickets for the Raptors. And they said that they made a profit on their season tickets that year because of the Raptors finals run. And they were able oh to sell God. them back. And then, so we got, the, by the finals, they're like, okay, we've already made a decent amount of money. Now we're just going to give them to our friends for face value because they had four seats. So they would take the two for themselves and then they always sell the other two. And they said they made a killing just on profit for that entire run. Yep. So yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a good business if your team is, is. successful. Um, I remember right. looking at Raptor season seats and this is like platinum level season seats in the Rudy, Rudy Gay area. Rudy Gay era was terrible. It was Not right before guy. things got good though. It was $4,000 a season. Ah, $4,000. That's, that's uh, around the Marley season seats right now. Yeah. Oh, that hurts my heart. I should have bought oh, the license. God. I should have yeah. bought it idiot if i only i'd known seven years later they'd win the championship uh, who couldn't have predicted yeah uh, if only you'd know they'd trade their best player starting over a half decade of playoff runs <laughs> that's huge bucks i i remember after that trade i'm like well they're going for the first overall pick let's go andrew wiggins let's let's go and then they just kind of won a big old bunch yep <laughs> that's what happened i watched uh wasn't that the year it was game seven against the Nets? I watched that at your place. My house? Yeah. Oh, I don't remember. You don't remember that? No, I don't remember that. That's when uh, Damian Cox, he was tweeting something negative, and I tweeted him. That could have been watch... yesterday. When, what? <laughs> and I Which go, we're trying to watch the game. Which thousand was that? Because <laughs> they were in the middle of a huge comeback, and Terrence Ross did that uh, wicked, you know, to, to get the possession. And I was, I just went, we're trying to watch the game, Damien. And he blocked me for that. That's, that's what uh, I remember about being in your favorite, basement that day. My favorite story is Steve having to work with Damien at Sportsnet after he blocked him and saying, Hey, Damien, can you unblock me? And, and him him asking so, why did he say, yeah. And then what was his response after? <laughs> I think he just unblocked me. There was a work oh. thing, Steve, that you needed, you needed him for, right? Like that's why you asked. Well, I did the prep sheet, which was this thing that went out uh, throughout the company. Wide. I maybe shouldn't be telling this, whatever it, it, it went throughout the company and he had some sort of news and I don't remember what it was. And I almost missed it because he's coming he blocked. And I'm like, okay, this isn't acceptable that he's got me like, uh, and so I just cordially was like, Hey man, I got a job to do. Can you unblock me? And he was like, why? And I'm like, thought I explained that in the first email, but here we go. And okay. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. 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 Anyway. Stanley Cup predictions. Get into the Stanley Cup predictions. So who do you pick? How many games, Jesse? Uh, Tampa in six. Or five. Tampa in six. Which one would you do? Six. Okay. Tampa in six. Steven. Tampa in six is the bet. I'm going Tampa in seven. Adam, you have to do it. The same Montreal. I can't say Montreal. I can't. Say it. But I, because I don't, I honestly, and it's nothing against Habs fans. So please stop taking this personally. I, if I'm wrong, we're all wrong in it together. 
I don't, I just can't see Montreal winning the cup this year. I don't feel bad this. about like, I don't feel bad that the, we're all picking the team that is the reigning Stanley Cup champions. Yeah. <laughs> like, just like I didn't feel bad in the first round. Again, this is what makes the story so great. It's what makes it so great is that none of this makes sense. But here they are. And it's fun and it's wonderful. I can't, I actually cannot wait for the stream tonight. Are you, you're doing the stream tonight, right? Yeah, but we've rebranded it. It's watch the Stanley Cup final with Steve Dangle. I like how each round it's different. It's last round. Then Habs, watch the a Habs Stanley game. Cup final. Yeah. Well, what's wrong with watching a Habs game with Steve Dangle? Because you're watching the Stanley Cup final. Ah, because you're a traitorous Torontonian. That's why. I, I sure am. Wow. Oh, my God. Can you imagine? That's you know what's pretty cool though is like unless you pay for it, you're not allowed to say Stanley Cup in any advertising. You know, like we've done a bunch of promotions at Virgin's, like, you know, if you're gonna watch the big series, you know, the big series is on, or like the Super Bowl, right? It's like, oh, the big game. So, Steve, you actually get Stanley Cup and Steve Dangle in the same title. That's pretty cool. Right, Holder, baby. It's um man, it reminds me (laughs) when I was uh when I was working with Nike and and we're like just shooting stuff on the street in Vancouver for the Olympics, for example, we could not have anything NHL in the background. Mm. And like, I'm, I'm talking to like Luke and Braden Shen and we cannot reference the Leafs. <laughs> like it was, wow. We couldn't reference the Leafs or the Flyers or Kings or whoever Braden Shen was yeah. with at the time. But so I was just, I would have to ask questions like, so, you're really you're getting used to the league, <laughs> like so. Yeah. Uh, how how so are you enjoying the, the team, boys? How, yeah, how's it like playing with men. What's it? Or, or no? Uh, hey, so you're playing in the show now? Ah, good one. Get you know the, me talking to my fellow hockey playing peers. The Olympics is the worst for that because they hold their video footage so tightly that you can't even use in like highlights and stuff. So even like like the Vince Carter dunk where he dunked over the the French guy, like you yes. you never see that in packages because it's owned by the IOC and they don't allow that video to go out to anybody who didn't own the rights at the time to that video. Well, and I think if you buy the rights, you're basically like leasing them. So the revi- exactly. the rights revert back so let's say ctv had them or nbc had them when vince did that doesn't mean nbc can run that now they still have to be the rights holder yeah right so like like any other tv network who's running olympic highlights they don't they show like still pictures or just the gold medal standings and all that stuff because the olympics they're the worst about everything i was on the second page i was on the second page of the national post because they were looking for any olympic story possible without any Olympic access because they weren't the official newspaper. It was the Globe and Mail. So they used oh you? Yeah, so they're like, okay, here's a YouTuber with 2,000 Twitter followers. Let's interview him and put him on the second page of the newspaper. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's so that's, if you see it in the background, my little ticket to the game, next to it, there's that article. Second oh, wow. page. You that's can thank cool. Dick Pound for that. Imagine my surprise, because they didn't tell me that. I was like, oh, I know I'm going to be in today's post. Did I open it? <laughs> One page flip. <laughs> I, could, yeah. I could not believe it. Couldn't that's pretty cool, it. man. It's pretty cool. Oh, it's yeah. pretty cool. Um, okay. I'm gonna, I, we're going to go completely off of what's happening in hockey right now. Just for like five minutes. Okay. Okay. Jesse, Steve, what is the most consequential or important trade 
in Toronto Maple Leafs history? Um, my uh, vote would be for in the, like all time, all time. Uh, either Kessel or Rask. Kessel or Rask. No. I'm going to say Rask. I'm going to because if you don't trade Rask, you have a goalie forever for 15 like, years. You have 15 years goalie. Goalie is the backbone of your hockey team most of the time, unless you're building it some other way. So I think it's Rask. On the go. good side, there's Gilmore or Sundin. On the bad side, it's Rask. Okay, I asked for one, so give me one. Rask. You say Rask, most consequential in Leafs history. No, you know what? That's that's being a salty Leaf fan. The real answer <laughs> is Sundin, I think. Yeah. Interesting. Because on this day in 1994, Matt Sundin was traded for Wendell Clark. And I wanted to th- I wanted to say that I don't think that that is the most consequential trade in Leafs history because we are too young. But in the 1991 series when the Doug Gilmore or season when the Doug Gilmore trade was made, um, that team was awful. They were dog shit. And they continued to be dog shit, but they were better dog shit with Doug Gilmore in the lineup. That changed how things were going to go for the Leafs. And they were really good, obviously, and then got Matt Sundin as well. And Matt Sundin was consequential. But I'd say it's the second most important trade in Leafs history is Matt Sundin for Wendell Clark. And I often wonder if it's overlooked because it is a bombastic, crazy Cliff Fletcher trade. Let me run this through you, okay? So Quebec gets the gets Wendell Clark, Sylvain Lefebvre, who was a really good puck-moving very, very good defenseman. Landon Wilson, a good depth piece. And the 22nd overall pick for Mats, Garth Butcher, a really young, good prospect named Todd Warner, and the 10th overall pick. They gave up a ton for Wendell Clark. Like, a ton. Nolan Baumgartner was the 10th overall pick. Well, they're, well, the Leafs go and screw that up. But, you know, beyond all of that, beyond all of that, I think that that trade is often overshadowed by the trade that brought Wendell Clark back. And if you look at the trade that brought Wendell Clark back, the Leafs gave up Kenny Johnson, a great defenseman. We brought this in the in future captain of the Islanders. And then the pick that drafted Roberto Luongo. So I always think that that colors, that second trade colors the yeah. first one. But if you look at that trade in a vacuum on its own, Cliff Fletcher robbed the Quebec Nordiques. Rob them. This is a guy, Matt Sandin had had 100 points the previous year. Wendell Clark's career high was 60-something. And they were like, now nah, we got enough scoring here. Screw that. Enough. That's enough. That Wendell Clark's trade history is wild. It's nuts. <laughs> it's wild. So there's the Sundin trade that you mentioned. Then he was, I think he was involved in a three-way deal. This was part of the Lindros trade tree, and it confused me. But he was essentially traded straight up from the Colorado Avalanche to the New York Islanders for Claude Lemieux, who went on to uh, be Claude Lemieux in that playoff run in Colorado ends up winning the Stanley cup. Then the Islanders trade him back to the Leafs along with Matthew Schneider and DJ Smith. Oh, yep. (laughs) Well, it gets better. Uh, Sean uh, Haggerty, Darby Hendrickson, Kenny Johnson, and the fourth overall pick in 1997, which turned into Roberto Luongo, go to the Islanders. And then the last trade of Wendell Clark's career, he was on the Tampa Bay Lightning. He goes to the Detroit Red Wings along with a 99 sixth rounder, turned into a guy named Jeff McDonald, never heard of him. Tampa gets Kevin Hodgson and a second rounder in 1999, who they used to select Sheldon Keefe. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Wendell Clark, only involved in uh, pretty big deals. 
Yeah. You should do a trade tree. I should. I the Sundine one is like half in a trade tree. Or no, uh the the problem is I don't follow the Leafs side of it. Mm. Because the trade tree begins with Quebec slash Colorado and Philadelphia. Right. Interesting. What if you modified it so you did like Leafs trade tree, but then it would go on forever because I guess it doesn't end with the player. So what never if, mind. What if, what if you were patient and uh, you just wait to see what we come up with? This well, so well, here's the other thing. What if you did a trade tree, but it's only on one player? As in that, like Leafs, like trade history. Oh, like just this one guy. I've thought about doing that. Like I looked at um, Mike Sillinger, who I think owns the record. Let me, let me look. Mike Sillinger, NHL trade tracker i believe his record is is it 13 he was traded one two three four five six seven eight nine ten times the the problem is most of them suck (laughs) not very interesting (laughs) no like i looked at them and i'm like oh yeah like it'd be funny to have this massive project and i look at them and i'm like oh sillinger for a 63rd overall or something oh you guys want to hear about mike sillinger for brent johnson No, what what about straight up for Timofey Shishnikov? <laughs> or Shishkanov, sorry. Yeah, I think you're making that up. That's I'm a, not. That's a made-up name. That's a made-up fucking Timofey name. Timofey like Shishkanov. That's a real Whoa. name. What, well, okay, what about straight up for Roman Oksuita? Uh, okay. You should do a Chris Johnson podcast tree, like a guest tree, how many podcasts he's been on. Oh, there's and a good idea. Track it through all of his podcast appearances. Yeah. No, radio hits. Radio hits. Chris yeah. CJ radio hits. <laughs> Trade tree. <laughs> How many times did he have to go on a fan radio network station with the same story in the same afternoon? It's crazy. Damn. Yeah. I hate that Friedman screwed this show up at the beginning of it because he said that Wayne Simmons thing. And now I'm like, give me the Wayne story. There's not yeah, a story. There. They, okay. So they sign him for under a million, which is what's going to happen. There's not a story. No 31 story. thoughts has officially dropped. That's I was hoping it would drop before the show because he has right. an update on the Blackhawks. So there, there is, there is going to be, so some of the stuff that we're going to tell you probably is going to be out, outdated because obviously uh, 31 thoughts will have some news that we did not previously know. We think, however, what we do know is the story has picked up enormous steam. And uh, I think this is the Blackhawks story, the Blackhawks yes. story. Yeah. And that's the, that was our main point of contention. In the last episode was like, where the hell is everyone on this? And right before the show, Katie Strang uh, and others from The Athletic put, put out a, uh, uh, an article talking about Nick Boynton. Uh, but there's, there's been a lot of updates since. So obviously now we know that the Blackhawks have hired an, in, an independent investigative team. And this is a law firm, a big law firm in the United States. And uh, I'm just pulling it up right now because my computer at this very moment has chosen to freeze everything on me. But the reality is, and I can name the law firm in a second, um, Daryl Wirtz, who uh, is the son of Bill Wirtz, the original owner of the Chicago Blackhawks, or, or the second owner, whatever, the Wirtz family's owned them forever and ever. Uh, he's now the president. He took over for John McDonough right before the pandemic. Remember, there was like that random firing, and we were like, what happened there? Oh, yeah. yeah, um, yeah. Well, John McDonough was the president for a long, long time, and I believe he was supposedly in the room when Stan Bowman and whoever else was there from the Blackhawks organization said, we're not reporting this to the, to the cops. Um, this original sex, sexual assault allegation. He would have been a part of that. Now, um, let's look this up. So Mark Lazarus, who is a great follow for Hawks, anything Hawks, 
said uh, the Blackhawks have have hired a former federal prosecutor to lead an independent review of allegations of sexual assault uh, for, uh, sorry, by former video coach Brad Aldridge in 2010. The alleged refusal to report it to police, according to an internal memo from Danny Wirtz. I I called him Daryl. My apologies. So here's interesting. This is this is the internal memo. We want to reiterate to you that we take the allegations described in these lawsuits very seriously, Wirtz said in the memo. They in no way reflect the organization's culture or values. So um, there's a couple problems with that. Number one, uh, I mean, listen, if Danny Wirtz didn't know about this, then it's hard for him to launch an investigation. And you could see how maybe he didn't. Because if you're John McDonough and it's the Stanley Cup Western Conference Final and you're against San Jose, you're probably not wanting to tell the owner that there are allegations of sexual assault you're probably wanting to do what it looks like the Blackhawks did, which was sweep it under the rug. We don't want any distractions. We're about to win the Stanley Cup. That's what it feels like. Not saying that's what happened, but it sure looks that way, doesn't it? So it's entirely possible Danny Wirtz had never heard of this story until the allegations were talked about or filed against uh, the Blackhawks organization in court, which is bad. Now, I'd like to know when these when the Blackhawks became aware that a lawsuit was pending because oftentimes you know before the lawsuit's even filed that you're going to be sued and I wonder if because we couldn't figure out okay why did you fire John McDonough it was like March 3rd 2020 and I wonder if that's when they knew and I wonder if that's how long this has been in the because we didn't we hear this report from Rick's Rick Westhead like six months ago like there was something brewing here I don't know if it was that long ago, but we did hear something months ago. Yeah, It takes a long time to even file these lawsuits. So it's entirely possible the Hawks became aware and maybe that's when Danny Wirtz steps in. Maybe it has nothing to do with it. But at the time, I remember us being sort of perplexed. No reason was really given. Nothing really leaked out. And I just wonder if this wasn't a part of it. Who knows? That's just conjecture at this point. Now, the other part of that statement that is really, really tough to hear is um, you know, we want to reiterate that we take the allegations described in this lawsuit very seriously. They're, they in no way reflect the organization's culture or values. The problem is that you still have people in place that were there when the incident occurred. And yeah, the people at the power, time didn't re- uh, respect the allegations. Like, so while you may not feel that way, the outside perspective is, well, the same people are still leading it. And unless they've gone to school to fix this or sensitivity training or they've read a fucking book in the last 10 years, that isn't to do with hockey. Um, I haven't seen anything that says that that doesn't reflect your culture or values. And I have to be honest with you, the, the, the Blackhawks culture and values behind the scenes and on the ice, frankly, because there have been incidents uh, involving Blackhawks players that are sexual assault incidents. Let's just be straight about it. You know, at what point... Do we not acknowledge the fact that maybe there, there's a problem here? Maybe there's and, been multiple, multiple of this. And maybe they're unrelated and des- disparate, whatever you want to call it. But it's happened at the same organization. So I think as much as anything, the values of the Blackhawks organization are on trial. And, and they're, not, they're not even in court yet. And they're on trial right now. And there's the, the, the tentacles of all this, right? So Stan Bowman is still there in Chicago. Kevin Sheveldayoff, who could have potentially known, 
is now the GM of the Winnipeg Jets, Mark Bergevin, who could have potentially known, although he says he doesn't or didn't. I'd like to talk about that in a second. Sure. Right. Keep he's going. the GM of the of the Montreal Canadiens. There's Joel Quenval, who could have potentially known. Now he's the head coach of the Florida Panthers. And uh, someone brought this up. Stan Bowman is the GM of Team USA for the 2022 Olympics. Stan Bowman, uh, yes, yes. Also... Also, there's there's some there's other wrinkles to this too because apparently because uh, um, and I keep getting his his name mixed up. So it's Brad Aldrich. His father is fairly the, high up in the San Jose Sharks organization. He's the head equipment manager and has been since 1995. Ron Wilson was the head coach of the Olympics in 2010, the Olympic team in 2010. Right. Um, Ron Wilson, who I believe at the time was the Leafs head coach but had been previous to that San Jose's head coach and was close with the Aldridge family. Apparently uh, Brad Aldridge was a video coach for team USA at those Olympics as well. And was was not a guy that people were kind of surprised that he was picked for that. So that I don't remember what a a key distinction here is he was the, those Olympics happened several months before the allegation. Yeah. It was about mm, mm, four months, mm-hmm. about four months. So that, yeah, I was thinking about that too. And I was trying to separate that team USA from all this because there, there wasn't anything reported. Yet. But maybe it has to do with the fact that there are families of people as there is in any industry ingrained in the industry. Mm. And you have a guy like Aldrich who Stan Bowman would probably have known his father because hockey's a small circle. Like you think that these guys don't all know each other. They know know each other and they know each other's families. They know everybody. It's not a it's not a large group of people. It's like a small town, the NHL. It's like literally like a small town of like 5,000 people. Everybody knows everybody. And so you've got Stan Bowman who knows Aldridge's dad. It looks a little odd. Yeah. That he would write a, write a letter of recommendation and then and then kick him out the door. You can draw conclusions through nepotism from, hey, his dad works in this hockey organization. He got this job. Then things happened with the Blackhawks and nobody really wanted to speak about it because they know this part of the family. And they know his dad or whatever. And yeah, you can, you can draw conclusions based on all that stuff. And I think it's very true based on what you just said, Adam, is that hockey is a very close-knit community where everybody kind of knows everybody and so it not not that it happened right but it sure looks that way doesn't it and when it sure looks that way it needs to be investigated that's my point key distinction that letter of reference i think they're disputing that and i don't know if they have proof yet interesting if that letter exists it's a key piece here and like if it was ever written, it still exists. Well, if we're also if, not, we're not lawyers and judges, no, but you know. but it, it's Aldridge. If he was let go, if he was let go, um, was he let go with cause or without? Because that would be, I, have to be filed, or or was he allowed to resign? Right. So this is the, the, the these are all the things that are going to happen now. Um, so Reed Shar of Jenner and Brock. Uh, it's a it's a law firm is leading the review. And this is an independent review. Mr. Shar and his firm have significant experience conducting independent investigative reviews, have no previous ties to the Blackhawks organization and have been directed to follow the facts where they lead. So according to Mark Lazarus, so that's likely to serve as the Blackhawks only comments about the lawsuits and allegations for the time being. 
which at least finally we got something, right? That, that's a very good thing that an independent body has been brought in to investigate the situation. That is fantastic news. Now, so, Steve, uh, you then, you bring up Katie Strang, correct? Yeah. Um, God, I'm trying to remember exactly I've got, I've what. I've got the tweet okay, here. Okay, do you? Because I've been yeah. sending so much stuff to you guys. There's so many angles to this. Yeah. Here, so what, Katie what Strang in particular? said, the firm hired by the Blackhawks to investigate Brad Aldrich's allegations. General Brock also represented USA Gymnastics in bankruptcy proceedings in the wake of the Larry Nassar scandal. So basically, you you declare bankruptcy because it wasn't the it was like a five hundred and twenty million dollar lawsuit that that the former athletes won against USA Gymnastics. It was a crazy, crazy big number, yeah. um, and it was it was groundbreaking. It was a huge victory. Um, so oftentimes what companies will do is declare bankruptcy to have those payments reduced or say, hey, we don't have the assets to do this or whatever it is. Um, and, and I think uh, it's, an important, it's important to know that fact, but I also think it's important to know that that is maybe not representative of, the, the, it's a law firm, there's accounting lawyers, yeah. there's criminal lawyers, there's investigative lawyers, like it's all, it's, there's a lot of I don't of think you should be taking anything from that, really, other than they have experience with big uh, sports stories in the media. Yes. Like, I think that's, that's a fact. But other than that, like, I don't, I don't want to question the credibility of lawyers. Like, that's right. not something. I mean, because you got to remember that these, these guys, and everybody hates lawyers, I get it, but these guys have, have, to, con- have to maintain their reputation. Yeah. If they fuck this up, yeah, they're not going to get jobs like this again. They're not going to get big money jobs. It's I've, I've seen videos from lawyer like there's this guy who sort of does Q&As and they're like would you defend this person would you would you defend this person and he's like oh I've defended worse than them I've defended this guy I've defended that guy he's, he's like it's this is my career yeah. this is my job and everyone's everyone's you don't, entitled to a lawyer they I think they look at these things way different than non exactly. do they, yeah. yeah exactly yeah. I don't think yeah and there's a lot of people who are like why does it have to be them or whatever and it's like listen you don't you, you have to you have to hire somebody and you don't get to be an enormous law firm without taking on some pretty distasteful clients. Um, that's just the reality of it. And, and so I think uh, we'll see what happens with, uh, uh, and distasteful, by the way, is like me using light terms for that. Um, we'll see what happens with this. But I think it's, you know, it's great to see. I mean, with Katie's article, with everything Rick Westhead has put out, uh, we're actually seeing the ball rolling on this. And the, what the public pressure has done what you have done by tweeting about it, by retweeting Rick, by retweeting Katie, by retweeting all these articles and tagging the Blackhawks is you have forced, public pressure has forced the Blackhawks to do something. And Katie Strang asked uh, Mark Bergevin about it. Mm-hmm. And um, their Gary Bettman could be getting asked questions about it later tonight. Um, and I think it was Molly Walker asked Nick Letty about it uh, at the Islanders locker cleanup because he was part of that 2010 team. Whoa. What did he say? It's been a 180. It's been awesome to see. I got to look up the exact words, Adam, but he is, I think he's claiming ignorance. By the way, Molly Walker, incredible follow for uh, anything New York. Really Uh, good. I only discovered her this year. Okay, Molly Walker. uh, She tweeted, I asked Nick Letty, who began his career in Chicago in 2010, about what's going on with the failures to report sexual assaults back then. And he said, honestly, I know that organization is first class all the way. Whatever is going on there, I think is being dealt with on their terms. And then she followed it up with, he didn't address the part of my question about if he had heard about it. So, okay. 
that's yeah. that. That's the, but now, now we have, we have I, Sopel on the record, Boynton. Uh, Boynton on the record, Letty on the record. So let, well, and Letty knew Boynton and, and Sopel are saying everybody knew. So you knew. And, and Friedman made a good point on 31 thoughts. He's like, it, at once the Stanley cup final is done front offices are then at the forefront right you're you're going to be taking questions heading into the draft heading into the expansion draft heading into free agency you're going to be holding press conferences you're going to be issuing press releases they're going to have to answer questions well that's what i said a week ago i said eventually stan bowman has to do a press conference eventually stan bowman i i kind of think this is out of his hands i think it might go above his head he has to but he's gonna have to step in front of a camera he has to He's got a team to run. He's the general manager of the Chicago Blackhawks. And this is this is the thing. Like I said to you, like last Monday, he has to, he'll have to be in front of the camera. Can I make a prediction? He's fired before he gets that opportunity. I think, I think, I think there might be some merit to that. I don't even know if there'd be a firing. I, I would not be surprised if there was a resignation. And yeah. and and I actually wouldn't be surprised if there wasn't multiple. I I I'm not. I'm not saying the answer says anything, but I also found it a bit perplexing when Katie Strang asked Mark Bergevin about these allegations. And he said, I didn't know anything. And you could put that on the record. If, if I was in that position, I think my answer would have been probably somewhere along the lines of, I had no idea and it's horrifying. And I don't know why I didn't know. Some empathy should have been shown in that it moment was, to the was, story. Yeah, it was just like, I didn't know, and you can write that down because you can't fucking prove it. That's what it felt like. Here's how wildly fast this story is evolving. 12 minutes ago, there was an update from Rick Westhead. Um, Former Blackhawks player described struggle as abuse allegations come to light. Does this feature quotes from the accuser? I think it does. Can you send it over? I, I'll also send not it over. Sorry, it's, dissect it. Yeah, let's like, not dissect no, that right uh, Yeah, sorry. Sorry, let's guys. Let's not read it. Yeah. So let's stay off Twitter on this one. <laughs> sorry. sorry. <laughs> With the information we have. No, but you're, yeah. Steve, listen, I get it. It's it's evolving quickly. And by the time we post this episode, it's going to be out of date. I mean, Gary, you said it yourself. Gary Bettman could take questions tonight. Yeah. Yeah, that and would be... you know be, he's not going to uh, say anything, but... Oh, just be prepared to be infuriated by whatever he says. I just think <laughs> that's so true. That I mean, you can say that before Gary Bettman opens his mouth at any time. I mean, yeah. Gary, what do you think of cotton candy? Well, there's there's lots of different carnival foods that are delicious. Oh, for God's sake, Gary! Like, just, yeah, that, he's a lawyer. It's what he does. Yes, this is what, he's paid to do this. Now he's paid for you to hate him, so you don't hate the owners. That's the key. Uh, here. Yeah. Yes. And and so okay, so. I think, you know, uh, not because we don't want to deep dive on this, but right now with this story, there's so much information floating around out there and it's changing so quickly that you almost get to the point where it's conjecture. I do want to though revisit and I do want to drive the point home. I was thrown off by Bergevin's answer. And as a human being, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I was thrown off. I no. think that's, I'm not saying he's lying. I, I'm not saying he's lying. I just found the answer to be extremely defensive so, and what, what was not the, sensitive at all to the story. What, what was the answer? It was, I didn't know anything about it. And you can put that on the record. So if, okay. So he was, what was it? The director of player personnel? Yes. Right. So if you're, let's say this, this is what happens, right? Mm-hmm. So there's a meeting. He's not part of it. And then afterward, he's not told of it. 
Yeah. That could 100% be true. Yes. Would you not be white hot volcanic raged pissed off about that if you were him? Would you not feel completely betrayed? Yes. Yes, I'd be furious. You know, I would want I would want that kind of I don't know, because it's a legal matter, I don't think we can expect any absolutes out of anybody. Mm-hmm. Well, he just but gave you one. He didn't know. That's a that's provable. If he did, we're, they're going to be able to prove it. Sure. I just it's, think it is entirely possible they kept it secret from him. Um, and if I were him, and that's the truth, I'd be demanding answers from my former coworkers. Well, it's it's yeah, yeah. I'm I'm you know because you because what it's done. Let's say Quinville didn't know, Shoveldayoff didn't know, and Bergevin didn't know. All three of those people are now under suspicion. Like if I'm one of them and I didn't know and Stan Bowman did this, I can never speak to Stan Bowman again. Well, and it's like, like Jesse said, like there's a, mar- there's a marketing executive that, that said that they knew. knew. Yeah. And the accusation is all the players knew, which Nick Letty has now thrown into disrepute. Well, he didn't say anything. He didn't, he didn't deny it. So that's not disrepute. He's right. still in the NHL. He might get traded to the Blackhawks one day. He doesn't want to get bounced out of the NHL. So that's culture of fear. It is. He's afraid of pissing off an organization. Maybe players were asked to say nothing. I don't know. There's there's an un- unbelievable amount of angles to the story. And so the story is the Blackhawks knew knew something, said nothing, and that led to something else happening. But what we found out, I th- I can't remember if it was Katie Strang's reporting or Rick Westhead's reporting, is there was a parent that was unhappy with Brad Aldriss's conduct or was alarmed with his conduct when he was with a AAA team. I think it was, I can't remember where it was. They're called the Marquette Electricians. Mm-hmm. Did, you, did you see that story? I don't want to get that too would, graphic. Would that be the wrestling story? Yes. So there was basically wrestling involved, inappropriate, and a parent saw it and brought this to the team's attention. And they basically said, shut up about it, according to the father. A few years later, you know, fill in the blanks those few years later, but then he goes to the Blackhawks. This happens. No one from the Blackhawks says anything. Goes, you know, on to the, the school that he was working at. It's just... This guy kept falling through the cracks. He kept being enabled by people saying nothing. Or here, people, that's the thing. Someone spoke up in both those instances, but the people in charge chose to do nothing. Why? I don't know. I think maybe, um, you know, and I think we didn't mention this on the show last week, and I think I really wanted to, and I just kind of forgot. Beyond all of that, Steve, where, you know, where was the, the organization on this? Where's the NHLPA on this? And, right. and I think to your point, Steve, and I'm not trying to change what we're going with here. If you report to the organization and you report to the PA, which apparently the players did, that also came out, by the way, on Friday. Right. I'm trying to And nothing happens. What and these and here's the other thing. I was, you know, I was talking to somebody about this over the weekend. 
so the, the, the parent involved, so the, the story is this, the parent, um, the parent saw kids wrestling and then Aldridge is supposed to have jumped in on the wrestling match and it was inappropriate because he was an adult and they were kids. Right. And it was very, it made everybody was, according to the parent, according to the story, this is all allegations. We cannot prove this. Um, the parent says that everybody was uncomfortable, but nobody wants to say anything. And a lot of the reason for that is that at high level hockey, it's just as politicky as it is uh, anywhere else. So imagine you've got a coach on the team whose dad is linked to the NHL. You don't want a bad reputation for your son who's, you know, played his whole life and you want to see him go as far as he can in hockey. You don't want that reputation of, oh man, bad parents or that. Eh, you know, maybe you've got a margin, maybe you've got a kid who's just barely on the team well, and, I'm, and, and, you know, they've, they've just barely made the team. And yeah, as much as a parent, you want to, you, you want to report that, uh, well, it could jeopardize your kid's playing time or it could jeopardize their opportunity at a scholarship or whatever. There's all of those considerations. I'm not saying that I would have done what this parent did and said nothing. And I'm not saying that you should do nothing. I'm clearly stating the opposite, but at the same time, we have to be empathetic to the position that these parents were put in as well. Cause it's like, you know, they, they, they were, they're thinking like their kid's future rests on this and they're, they don't want to fuck that up. But um, this is what happens when you don't report. I, I found the tweet about the uh, NHLPA. So it's Rick Westhead plaintiff's legal team uh, also seeking any correspondence between the Blackhawks and the NHLPA plaintiff's attorney has alleged that the former player went to someone at the NHLPA and reported his abuse after it happened and was told the matter was between him and the NHL team. Like, if that's true, I don't know what the NHL Players Association exists for. Other right, than that's lose. the arm of the league that's supposed to be on the side of the players no matter what happens, you know? Like, we're going to, if you bring whatever to the table, we're on your side, we're going to find a way to resolve it, we're going to find a way find a way to get the league involved, and the fact that they don't do that in a serious situation like this, it's like, okay, so what do you guys do? I I... Just, I I've, I was far more mean in DMs to you guys. I, I, I don't know what the NHL Players Association does I like think for that's, a living. Of all of that, Steve, I think you're right. I think it's like, okay, so from the Blackhawks' perspective, maybe they were like, well, we don't want anybody to fuck with our Stanley Cup run. Okay? We don't want, we don't want this getting out. We don't want to report people to police, whatever. Sure. Wrong. 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 Totally wrong. fucking wrong. But sure. But you can see how that's possible. Yes. You could see how a team would do that and prioritize winning the Stanley Cup over something like this because they didn't deem it the same way we would look at it. I'm not saying it's right, clearly. But with the NHLPA, what possible reason would they have not to force the issue here? Right. What's your defense? I don't get it. That's the most egregious out of all of this. That's worse than Stan Bowman and John McDonough, all those guys, apparently knowing about it and not saying anything. If the PA knew, what do you do here? I, I understand what you're saying. Like, you work for the Blackhawks organization. The, the Players Association works for you. Yes. It's not even That's, a third it's party. There. It should be a biased party towards the player. Right. And yes. this is even a whiff of this. 
a whiff of this, the PA should be like, what the fuck? I'd be, if you're the head of the PA and you hear something like this, you're on the phone to fucking Blackhawks management right away going, what the hell's going on over there? Why hasn't this been reported yet? Like, I, I don't understand. Who makes these calls? Who makes the decision that this is, well, you know what? Uh, from what I'm hearing, uh, I don't think this counts. Who makes that call? And the NHLPA, what's to stop them from reporting the allegation? I don't get it. And I'm not saying that anybody's better, or worse, but the PA literally is paid for by the players. You work for the players. How is this possible? There are too many parties here that look like absolute shit to keep up with. It, as demonstrated by how we're talking about it. Right? But again, again, your role in this is make everyone answer make everyone speak we so bergevin's spoken shivel day off bueller hello we we got uh stan bowman anyone else from the blackhawks now they they had that statement today from danny wertz mm-hmm. which i assume is going to be the last we hear from them for a while yeah and by the way i would hope that that doesn't reflect your culture and values thank you very much that's a fucking bare minimum statement that's, yeah like Oh, uh, I think that's a boilerplate press release. Yeah, of course. But like, it, we fucking hope so. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. I think I think the problem here is we're all waiting for we're all waiting for a resolution. <laughs> like we're waiting for an outcome. We're waiting for the story story to be done. And folks, we're not going to get that for a long time. No, this could be a couple years. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a, you know, it's unfolding quickly and we're finding out details, but I just want to say one more time, it was your public pressure that caused them to do this. They were not doing this a week ago. This was not happening a week ago. And, 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 and I want to say a special shout out to Rick Westhead because boy, uh, without him, none of this is happening. And what a great investigative reporter he's always been, but this is pretty, um, this is, it's, it's when reporting does good things for people as well. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So a, a big shout out to him for that. And we hope that all, all of them keep up the, the, the heat and the, and the hard work on that. I don't know what else we can find out from this. Like I know the details are coming out fast and furious, but I think after this week, we're probably not going to hear about it for a long, long time until a court filing is made, you know, get a court date, something like that. Interestingly, I don't know if I mentioned this in the last episode too, that they, the player said they were only asking for $150,000. Oh in yeah. Illinois, uh, you put that number in as a placeholder. Essentially how it works legally apparently is that you, um, the juries decide the amount of money. So you put in an amount of money, but it could be, you know, somebody, I, what, what was it that we, we had a tweet or something where somebody was talking like, this could be tens of millions. Uh, I just happened to scroll right to that part of the paragraph. Uh, John Doe one is seeking 150,000 in his lawsuit. Loggins, who I believe is his lawyer, however, said that figure is a placeholder and that lawyers can only suggest award damages, uh, to juries. She said, she said the case is likely worth at least $10 million. Mm-hmm. Wow. So slightly different than 150 thousand this ain't going away for a very long time no blackhawks and several others are in deep deep shit um and moving on to another extremely tough story and we're gonna say we're gonna be keep this brief uh it was announced this morning on david pasternak's instagram that he and uh, his partner 
uh, lost their, uh, their newborn baby. Um, obviously nobody knows any reasons why, and we don't, that's none, it's not anyone's business. We just wanted to send, um, our very best to his family, um, during this time, cannot imagine what that is like. And, uh, was, it was just so sad to see. It's horrible. Let's get into the press conference. The presser. The Steve Dangle Press Conference. The first question, uh, well, first comment comes from uh, Miranda on Twitter. Uh, They write, just wanted y'all to know, I was at the zoo last weekend and can confirm those Tundra Trek bathrooms are pretty great. Oh, I remember that. Miranda can confirm that the zoo bathrooms should have been voted uh, one of the best in Canada. Okay. Well, there we go. I, I, how much of the zoo is open? I wonder. Like, is it, it all outside? Like some of it. I don't think the um, what the pavilions, the indoor parts. I don't they think those be. are open. Hmm. Um, I don't know if they're going to be open for a very long time. Well, stage two, they probably will be. Yeah, like Wonderland is open on come uh, July second, so I assume the zoo can be yeah. partially open. Besides can, the indoor stuff, you know, you can go see the snake aquarium. The sn- you know where they have all the snakes in the aquarium the planet Arium. <laughs> what do you guys make of this from cameron cameron durham on twitter oh hate him already hey none, i like you none of the leafs core five members have been on social media since the loss is this a sign that they're trying to better themselves or just avoid hate or oh, they've been else? on core five who are the five? I guess core five would be Nylander, Marner, Tavares, Matthews, Riley. Sure. Okay. Let's go uh, with that. I mean, Tavares has a Twitter pretty much just for his foundation mm-hmm. and to like promote like charitable causes. What a jerk. Am I right? Mm-hmm. No. So he's, he's not really active. Uh, Matthews isn't really active. Marner's never really active. That's not true. Well, sorry. He doesn't post very much. Right. He's active. The thing um, was, like, even going into the playoffs, he told all the press, oh, I haven't been on my my social media in a few weeks. And, like, he had commented on people's photos. Right. And people were like, this is you, man. But, you know, I'm sure they've been on. It's just they're not posting. I mean, like, bless Robin Leonard, who will tweet people on a plane on his way to – an elimination game like bless that guy but most players i mean especially in the off season what what i i i'm sorry if you're on twitter all the time then you're rich for nothing like <laughs> go go get off of twitter and go be rich go be rich somewhere go train at a really high-end facility or if you don't feel like training go rest at a really high-end facility go do non-twitter things i have twitter because i'm not a millionaire what's your excuse i don't know get off get off of instagram all those people they look the same as they did last time you saw them i don't know if if i was any of them i wouldn't be on social either it's fair i I don't i wouldn't read into that this is from sneaker flavored did you clip all the times this season Adam dunked on the Habs? <laughs> no, we haven't clipped it. But if somebody out there wants to do that, especially the Habs won't win a single game clip and put them Feel all free. together, uh, Adam would love that. I deserve, I deserve it. I deserve it. Going the way gift. 
Okay. He's an ending gift. I oh, going anywhere. So someone, someone's <laughs> going to have to check this, but like, okay, here's, here's how much the Hab slander was, was very valid, valid, valid. It was valid. All the Hab slander. Mm-hmm. If this Stanley cup final goes to game seven mm-hmm. and the Habs win it. So they're the Stanley cup champions. Sure. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe they'll have as many wins as losses. They'll be a 500 Stanley cup team. If, if you combine their regular season and their playoffs, Jesus. if it goes to game seven, I believe they'll be 500. I think like it's like over like both combined. Yeah. Yeah. Are you counting? Are you counting overtime? Are you, overtime losses, losses are losses. Season yeah, because they are losses. Yes. The, overtime and shootout okay. losses are losses. And we overtime have... and shootout wins are wins. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah, we That's don't have time to mess around. Like a loss is a loss, <laughs> a win is a win. They'll have as many wins as losses. Listen, I, I'll keep saying it. They deserve to be here, and it's kind of weird. Yes. <laughs> it is weird. It's weird. It's weird, but it's fun. The thing is, like, people people are – I'm still getting people who are like, delete your account. I don't, like, losing losing that bet doesn't change my life. Like, I hope you know that it, it's, it was fun, oh, it was fun bet to make. I enjoyed it. And I enjoyed the fallout from it too. Like, it's not, I don't, I don't know, man. It's not like I'm basing my whole life on, uh, on my take on the Habs in Vegas. Like I, I just, it was fun. And if they hadn't won, we still would have made the donation. So like, it's it, the whole point was just to have some fun and like charity or whatever. I just think you guys, you got to sometimes go, I'm going to make a crazy bet. And if it works out spectacular, I look like a genius. If I don't, I look like an idiot. Who cares? It's okay and, to be wrong about sports. Well, and especially hockey. And I think this is, this Habs fun. If it's been, or the Habs run, if it's been anything, it's been fun. This is a fun story. It's a great story. Yep. And do I think they're that good? No, I still don't think they're that good. I still think next year, they're a question mark for me to make the playoffs because the regular season's different. Right. And they were 18th. If this was a normal year, the Habs are not in the playoffs this year, but they're in the Stanley cup final, not a normal year. And I, and I hats off to them. I, I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with saying that. Oh, uh, no, the Atlantic <laughs> can't wait. Know, it's fucking can't wild. wait to get back home to Maybe. the Atlantic where the Leafs might miss the playoffs. Anyway, good luck Detroit and Buffalo. <laughs> Good luck. I'm sure you'll be great. Don't worry. Steve will have traded our first round pick by then. Oh, please. <laughs> please kill me. We'll get Nick Felino back from Columbus again. Oh. Yeah, one last thing. This is from PJ Sing 9 on Twitter. Philip. PJ. Have you guys seen the newest season of Too Hot to Handle yet? No. The first six episodes or five episodes, I think, are out on Netflix. I have have you guys have you guys watched them? No, no. no, no I watched. I will be on vacation here soon, so hopefully. You guys I watched check them out. Uh, too hot to handle. Um, uh, not too hot to handle. Sorry, you screwed me up. I watched uh, Inside last night by Bo Burnham. Oh yeah, unbelievable. Is that it was, good? That was. Uh, it depends what you like. I love everything Bo Burnham does. He's not everyone's flavor, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but like by the end of it, I was like, can I? I would like to hug you. Can I hug you? Can it like, is that what's it good? about? What's the deal with that? Um, like, he recorded an entire special in his mostly musical comedic style in a single room. And he just lived in that place for a whole year while he made that special. 
So it's a combination of like music videos and stand up material and little bits and interludes in between that. And yeah, like Steve yeah. says, like 90 minutes in one room filmed over the course of like a couple months. Inside. Yeah, the room? It's really cool. He left yeah. the room at one point, right? Yeah, no. like I assume in, in real life he leaves like, the room. Okay, I'm just gonna say like he went to the bathroom, stuff like that. Oh, like, like yeah, 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 probably. No, there's just more and more like bags and jars, like the <laughs> aviator. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, not quite. Not quite. The songs are really good. The it, you laugh a lot. It's it's a really good special. I'm a big the, fan of Bo Burnham though, so bias. <laughs> he does a couple like you don't even realize the bit has started. Yeah, a, a few of the a few of the times I don't want to spoil anything. The the, come on Jeffrey, you can do it. He does a whole song about Jeffrey Jeff Bezos. <laughs> you probably heard that on TikTok. That's where it comes from. <laughs> Is that the how's everyone doing out there tonight? Yeah, I'm not doing good or whatever. No, Is that an old that's no, no, that's this special. That is this special. Okay. That is. I'm yeah, probably gonna not watch the it Jeffrey again. Jeffrey Bezos song. It's the. I can't wait. Yeah. It's. <laughs> <laughs> all right, i've been listening right, to it good. all morning and uh too hot to handle season two yeah i've watched a couple episodes so far they have a new uh francesca and harry cam and emily they are they're more entertaining than francesca and harry it's awesome God. you guys are gonna like it uh cam does some uh interesting stuff in the shower by himself so it's uh it's worth the while and then christina comes in and then the they haven't released the final i think five episodes so christina comes in this extra uh, guests in the house and she is going to cause all the drama so when you guys catch up and watch the season we'll talk about it here cannot wait awesome cannot wait all right so that's it for us today we love you and we will see you wednesday where we will get to talk about a stanley cup game how great is that a it's real life stanley cup game cannot wait who wins now, tonight then, then jesse, we can get quick. to what matters like the draft yeah jesse who wins tonight Tonight, uh, Tampa 4-2. Steve. Montreal 3-2 overtime, maximum chaos. Let's go. <laughs> I was also going to say Montreal 2-0. Whoa! Holy shit! I oh, told you. Going to game maximum seven, chaos. baby. Game there. seven. <laughs> we will see you next episode. on Twitter at Steve underscore Dangle at Adam W-Y-L-D-E and at Jesse Blake. Connection complete.